Nation for a living, taking what they're given. Welcome to the Poseidon Podcast, hosted by four guys who think they know what they're doing. Don't yank it, crank it. Tune in as we cuss and discuss our crazy lives, tell fish stories, and make you a better fisherman. Three, two, one. And now, let's get started. It's game day. Welcome to the first ever Poseidon podcast. My name is Hunter. I am the only non-captain a part of this group. And um, basically, we're just here to talk fishing, tell our stories, tell you about our lives, and talk about the crazy life that we live. It's going to be a wild ride, and hopefully you'll learn a little bit, laugh a whole lot, and uh, become a better fisherman. Anyway, let's do this thing. So, with that being said... Um... I'm going to go around the table here and introduce everybody. Uh, first, it's going to be Captain Matt. Swim, <laughs> bud. Take your yeah. swim. Yeah, he specifically asked to go second, so that's why he's first. <laughs> and uh, anyway, man, tell him about yourself. All right, hold on. I'm going to crack a beer real quick. Um. So basically, I've been wanting to be a fishing captain pretty much my whole life. Um, I did six years of road construction, uh, so I've traveled pretty much all around Florida, and I've fished almost everywhere I've been. Um, and yeah, I just got tired of traveling and said, screw it, and uh, drove all the way to Jacksonville, got all my captain stuff taken care of, and now I strive in pretty much anything that has to do with fishing in three foot to six inches. So, in short, <laughs> I'm your guy. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. That's pretty much my story. This is my first year uh, doing this full time. Um, I used to do it, you know, every once in a while, but now I'm out there pretty much seven days a week. Even on my off days, I'm on the water. So, yeah, pretty much You know, I, I'll agree. I think um, Matt is really, really good with six inches. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> six inches is a good day. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> time we get them negative tides. So, uh, yeah, six inches. Six inches is nice, not good. Yeah. It's got to be warm enough to find a true six inches, you know? Uh, anyway, next on the list is Captain Dustin. What's up, guys? Uh, I'm Captain Dustin. I've been a captain for going on three years now. Uh, before this, I was a project manager, and I used to travel for like six, eight weeks at a time. Uh, I loved it while I was single before I had a kid, but now that I have a kid... Uh, kind of sucks. So I, I, I quit doing that and became a, a captain. Uh, I have fished almost every state in the U.S., so that's pretty awesome. Um, but yeah, uh, inshore, offshore, shark fishing, whatever, I, I love it all. Uh, can't wait to continue this career to see, because this is an amazing job we have. So I can't wait to just see where this goes. Hell yeah. You, you fished in Arkansas? I did. I stopped on a little like uh, a little pond right beside the interstate. Like literally, uh. when when I was a project manager, we used to travel. We used to drive everywhere, and I it, I I made it my goal 
to fish everywhere we went. Even like you know, just for for like even for a few minutes, you know, because we 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 drove through states all the time. I was like, man, I got I haven't fished in Louisiana. Let me let me fish in Louisiana real quick, just to stop off on the side pond, catch a bass or two, you know. And then that's it. Let's go. Yeah, I know that that was probably a random question. I'm originally from Arkansas, but Arkansas's got great trout fishing. So I was hoping you did that, but I didn't. I didn't know what you did. Well, honestly, I didn't do any brook trout. Mainly just bass for for the inland states. Mainly just bass, but everywhere else, um, was I tried to go saltwater, you know, like a pier or something, because we didn't have a boat. You know, we didn't drive a boat everywhere we went for construction. That seems like a missed opportunity. I know we should. We missed so much stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, next on the list. Tra- traveling captains, you know, let's do that. Hey, there you go. That's Hey, that's a great idea for the podcast. Let's just take it on the road, hit every state, try to catch a fish. Um, <laughs> next on the list is the late, great Captain Drew. What's going on, ladies and gents? Well, I'm Captain Drew. I uh, mainly grew up on the... Uh, Virginia Beach, and so my dad was stationed there in Norfolk. He's in the Navy, so naturally kind of drew to the water um, with him. He's a huge offshore guy, so kind of that was my bread and butter for a while, running out with him, you know, probably too young to be going out that far, but, you know, I'm still here, so uh, tomato, tomato. Um, you know, learn learn the ropes really young, Um you know, whether it be uh, the fishing aspect of it or even the boat handling. My uh, my dad, mainly, both my parents are from Jersey, so I went up there every summer. My dad's uncle has a 50-foot sport fisher, so I had the pleasure of jumping on board that any chance I could, um, even driving it. I remember I was about 15 years old and backing up and maneuvering that better than uh, my uncle can. So uh, that was See, there. Cool. We go already talking about the illegal crap. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> First world problems. Yeah, I know, right? It's a struggle. <laughs> so uh, yeah, his dad got stories about literally like throwing grenades while offshore fishing. It's like it's crazy because your dad's like a Navy SEAL, right? Yeah, he is. There he was. Yeah, that, well, those a- are. Those are the different charters we do. Those are, those are yeah. <laughs> grenade yeah, trips. Different time, different day. You gotta pay a little bit more for those charters. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so you know, grew up mainly Atlantic fishing for uh, you know tuna and everything like that, striped bass. Um, I moved down here early 2000s, and uh, you know, my addiction only got worse and worse. Um, you know, got and became a captain at 23. Um, and started running tour boats. Uh, I ran a booze cruise party barge over in Siesta Key. Um, that was definitely uh, didn't suck, that job. Uh, it came <laughs> a lot. Uh, and it actually helped me out even with uh, being personable with people and stuff like that. So uh, I decided to join Poseidon Charters and uh, never looked back ever since. Heck yeah. Yeah. Um, Captain Drew was one of the founding members, been here since, like, day seven. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, man, we used to run triples and all kinds of craziness just to make it. But, um, well, cool. So, basically, that's enough with the pleasantries. That's everybody part of the uh, podcast posse that we've labeled it. 
Um, I don't know. So, hey, uh, PowerPole, if you're listening, we really want a title sponsor so that we can call it the Poseidon Podcast presented by PowerPole with the Poseidon Posse. Ooh, I, I like that. Intense. Yeah. yeah, it's like way too many Ps, but it works. So anyway, uh, the first episode is going to be about our stomping grounds, what we do every single day in the backyard and um, the Tampa Bay difference, like what makes Tampa special and why it's such a cool place to fish and why it should be on your bucket list to go fishing. It truly is a fishing destination, not to mention one of the coolest places in the absolute world uh, to live and hang out. And, I mean, it's just absolutely incredible. Clearwater Beach is amazing. Tampa's amazing. Super Bowl champions. We win at everything that we do. And it's like a hop and a skip from the house of the mouse. It's just awesome. And the best fishing ever. So, Anyway, um, we'll kind of get into that a little bit and tell you how we fish it, what we do, and what makes it special. So, um, anyway, I guess the the first thing we'll talk about is inshore because that's what we probably do the most of, um, and kind of what that's our bread and butter with what we do. So, Matt, you want to take it away and fill us in on like what in the world makes Tampa special and kind of why it's the the hot spot for inshore fishing. Yeah, so uh, Tampa Bay is absolutely amazing, especially if you want to just start, you know, to get into fishing. Um, as far as the structure of Tampa Bay, you pretty much have grass flats, and then you have mangroves. Um, we get a little bit of oyster bars. We got some rock piles, but the most special thing about Tampa is that as long as you are dedicated to spend the time in the early morning to go catch bait, um, that's probably one of the, you know, the hardest things about being a fishing guide is making sure you're prepared for your trip. Um, so we have a different perspective about live wells and what blacked out means. Basically, when I go and throw my net in the morning, when I get done throwing the net, I want to see nothing on the bottom of the live well. You want to be blacked out. Um, one of the best things about Tampa is that when you are blacked out, uh, pretty much you can pull up to any mangrove line and this guy got incredibly rich by taking a whiff ball bat, chopping it in half, and you pretty much pack that sucker full of greenbacks and, you know, chum up any mangrove line and you're going to start to see action. You're going to start to see um, fish popping. You're going to start to see boils. And then those are the places that you're going to want to be fishing. Um, so I love getting all my bait in the morning. And then we pretty much just stick to the mangroves. So, like, if it's a high tide, you know that you can pretty much be right up against the shore. Um, and then low tide, we hit potholes, stuff like that. But mainly bread and butter for me in Tampa Bay is snook fishing. Our snook fishing is incredible. Um, I think we're probably one of the only places that you can go out and have those 30 to 50 fish days, you know, within your four hours with snook fishing. Um, so you you heard it. Guaranteed 30 to 40, 50 fish days. All right, let's start. Hey, now. 
and go after, like, the predatory stuff, like redfish and snook? I think the main question that I get asked on a charter daily is when is the best time? You know, people will book in the afternoon. Um, they'll book in the morning. And almost everybody thinks that the morning is, like, your best shot of catching fish. But in all honesty, like like today, I ran two charters today. My first charter was pretty successful. Um, my second charter was incredible. Uh, it, it really just it all has to do with tide. You want anything moving. You want moving water. Um, you want to look for points. Anywhere there's current, little divots, those fish really like to react with a moving tide. So it really doesn't matter about what time you're going. You just really want that moving water. Yeah, um, I think that that's a common misconception across the, like, entire country. Everybody who's landlocked and all they do is fish lakes, which was me in Arkansas, I, I have only found success fishing for, like, bass in the morning. Like, I never it, – yeah. it got too hot, and, like, the, I, I, heck, I don't know if the fish went deep or what or if I just wasn't doing it right. But basically, I not always found success in the morning, and but we didn't have to deal with tides, you know, it was just being yeah. on a normal – you graduate from the kiddie pool, uh, freshwater fishing, and you move to saltwater where you have multiple, you know, species. You really, all you really need is that moving water. That's really all you. And and not only that, but a lot of times you can catch those fish in those slack, you know, slack tides. Um, you just want to be ready for that staging next hour. So most of the time, when I find out is so I do a lot of different stuff. Most my favorite is inshore because I'm, you know, I can go out there and we're going to catch fish. Um, you know, despite what the conditions are, you know, if it's raining outside, if it's blowing 30 miles an hour, we can go tuck back somewhere and catch some fish. That's um, right. So that that's probably my favorite thing about the inshore fishery. Like today, like today was a rough weather day. You know, I had a lot of times clients, they'll see, they'll look at the radar and they'll see this and they'll be like, yeah, I don't know if I really want to do this. Like, you can be successful and get in places where you're going to be out of that weather and out of that wind. Um, 100%. The, the best way I can describe it to, like, middle America, because I before I got into saltwater fishing, which is the most exciting thing on the planet, in my opinion, is all I did was hunt, like deer hunting and duck hunting and whatever. And if you have deer hunted your entire life and you sat in a stand and you wait for hours and hours and hours on end without talking and, like, can't eat, can't do anything, waiting on a daggum white-tailed deer to walk out, like, that gets old quick. And then you go duck hunting for your first time and you get to talk the entire time and every time you shoot in the sky, you have, like, no idea if it's a, a green head or a wood duck or whatever and that's, like, super uh, like exciting as to like what that next fish is going to be that's exactly the transition from fresh water to salt water like as soon as you get into the the ocean and you can drop down and you might pull up a grouper or a trigger fish or a daggum goliath grouper or a shark or whatever like that's the most exciting thing about it to me because the tampa alone is so diverse because you can catch so much like offshore stuff even in the bay in certain times of year. So, I don't know. I think that's the best way to describe it. It's just such a cool place. But when you look at the um, tide stuff, so you want the water moving for redfish and snook and the predatory stuff. What if the tide is dead? Like, what's the best fishing to do then? 
honestly, when the tide's dead, um, pretty much grass flats. Grass flats have been very successful for me lately. Um, like today, this morning, I had a, I had an incoming tide, and then it completely went slack for about an hour and a half. During that hour and a half, we looked for holes in the flats, and then you can also just drift fish. Um, I mean, you can start on one end, you know, of a grass flat. That's what's great about, you know, Tampa. Pretty much everywhere on this coast, our grass flats are incredible. Um, you can pretty much drift, and you can find those fish because they're not really staged to where they want to be yet. You see what I'm saying? Like, when that tide comes in, you know, okay, all right, I got an incoming tide. Um, these fish are going to be stacked on this point of the mangrove line. But during that slack tide, they're kind of just lost. You know, that's where that bait comes into play. You know, you can – a lot of times when I'm fishing, I'm not necessarily in a certain spot, if that makes any sense. Um, so I'll start somewhere. So say I'm in, you know, uh, perfectly where we're in Ruskin. We've got lots of – like in the Little River, we have spoil islands everywhere. We have mangrove lines that lead into oyster bars. You know, you take that bait and you just start throwing it out there. It, it can tell me, okay, well, I'm fishing an area. I'm not really seeing any fish pop, but I look, you know, 500 yards down the line, and they're blowing up like crazy. Um, so that's pretty much what I do on the slack tides. I've got my holes where I know for a fact, like, okay, the first hour incoming, I can go sit here. I'm going to catch slot redfish. You know, you can figure out those patterns. When you're out there on the water every day, you really start to figure out patterns. <clears throat> has a lot to do with it. Um but on those slack tides, I mean, you really use that chumming to help to your advantage to go locate those fish. And that's yeah. that's pretty much what I do with it. I mean, if you got no water movement, there is plenty of grass flats to fish. Um, and then not only that, but sometimes when that water's still slack, I mean, as long as you still got water to get back there, those fish are still going to stage out there. When that tide goes low, they're going to hang out in some deeper potholes. Like, I've got some areas that I fish all the time, and you can go there on a high tide and not get a single bite, but you're on a low tide, and they're just stacked in a hole. And we're, our casting radius, you know, is the size of a, I don't know, um, just like a garage. Like, you know, I mean, it's just, it's crazy. They stack in these potholes. They move around. Um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. I see for inshore fishing, basically, you just, you want to make sure you got bait. That's really it. And then yeah. not only... But when when those days are slow, um, I've also done really well on cut bait, you know, certain things. There's days where you just can't go out and get that bait. It, it may be too rough, you know. It might not – you maybe not got enough for, for both of your trips. Um, but a lot of times I figure out – another thing with Tampa is there's, you know, there's boats everywhere. Like we have an area that we fish um, and you'll pull up in a spot and there'll be seven boats all around you power pulled down. We're not necessarily right next to each other, but we're all generally in the same area. I've had days where, you know, my live oil pump goes out, and I'm looking at my live oil, and I'm like, uh-oh, I don't have any live bait left. Well, all those guys chumming, and those fish are blowing up. They're blowing up. You know, those fish are starting to get smart. They can see that your fish is on a, you know, a hook and a leader. You know, you then you switch it up and say, all right, let me just cut these bad boys up and throw it out there and let it soak. Nine times out of ten, those fish are going to hit those baits because they're tired of chasing things around. I've had multiple days where I've had, you know, a ton of bait, and I've gone next to a bunch of different people, 
and they're chumming. They're catching, you know, here and there. They're catching a couple fish. But I've had days where I've absolutely whacked them on cup bait just because you know, it's different. That, yeah, that's a great question. Do we actually think fish are smart enough to know that, uh, oh, my buddy has a hook in his mouth. Maybe I shouldn't eat that. You know, honestly, <laughs> 100%. I think really? Um, any, Absolutely. Yeah, we'd like to think, yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah, like like today. I mean, there was instances today where I, you know, I, I came up to quiz. I had a double today. He had a uh, six-hour. Um, his trip was almost wrapped up. I went with him in the morning to get bait. He was on a little bit bigger boat than me, so we rode, you know, we rode together. Um, and I was pretty much out of bait. He was fishing a point. He would throw his chummers out, and they'd be blowing up all over all over it. But in that winter time, that water, you know, it kind of clears up a little bit. And uh, those fish, they'll, you know, they'll be blowing up on those baits, but they're not hitting your line because, you know, they're smart. They tell the difference. Um, uh, that is news to me. I did not think that they were that smart. I mean, duck well, hunting in Arkansas, you'd kill the, you'd kill the mama bird and daddy bird, come back for more. You know, like, <laughs> I mean, there's the main mangrove lines that we fish where I kid you not, just this year, I've probably caught the same snook 10 to 20 times. I mean, there's certain areas that I go to oh, that absolutely. you catch, you can see the red, you know, you can see the red mark. You know that they've been caught before. Or they and have your track that you broke off before. Yeah, I, I really don't think they care. I think they just want to eat. You know what I mean? Like, they're like, ah, screw it. This guy's going to let me go. And, and then not to mention the seasons on all this stuff. You know, like right now, grouper season just closed. You're going to catch more grouper than you did in the past three months. Like, I don't know why, but I feel like these fish, they know. <laughs> like, they know what the, you know what I mean? It's just, well, it's, I also think it's because nobody's really fishing for grouper right now. So they're not getting as much action. Just like snook, snook are out of season right now. Yeah, people are fishing for them, but they're seeing they're seeing 20 boats a day. They're seeing the same thing. They're seeing chummers. They're seeing baits with hooks in their mouth. And you know, there's just so much pressure on these fish, and they look for little details of these of our baits, like any little off. Like if your bait's not kicking right, if he's double hooked and he's not swimming right, they're gonna look for that 100%, and they're not gonna wow. touch it. Wow, that's news to me. I, I would not have thought that they were that picky and, and knew that much. Maybe the big one, like, you know, the 30-inch snook at the dock, you know, like they definitely know what's up because they're watching you. And, and I think I fished with Drew before where we have literally – it was a tournament, and we were literally on top of 30-inch snook, and could, you could throw anything in the world at them, but because they saw us, there was no way. Like, well, that's, that's, that's a bigger snook now because, like, last week I was over, like, I swear to God, there was, like, 20 snook. There were at least 40 inches, every single one of them. And I, I threw everything I had at them, and they would not touch a single thing. Those are the stuff that keep me up, up at night for sure. Oh, yeah, and I think, too, another thing, too, is that a lot of people don't understand, like, if, when you see those fish, those fish have already saw you. You oh, know what yeah, I mean? sure. Um, when we pull up somewhere and you can see those fish everywhere, most nine times out of 10, if you see them, they've already seen you. They know that you're there. And that's what makes it so addicting. That's why I love inshore fishing is because I love the thrill of 
seeing the fish, locking in the target, and hooking the fish. That that right there is the coolest thing in the world to me. Yeah, um, it's like a spot and stop type situation. Yeah, that, 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 fishing, there's nothing better than sight like, fishing. It's almost like hunting. Like, you're hunting those fish. You know what I mean? Like, that is the coolest thing in the world to me. And I think as far as action, like, if you want to go out there and just really experience, you know, true Florida, I think inshore is the way to go. Um, I mean, it's one of the coolest things to be able to see the fish that you're targeting and actually being able to catch them. Yeah, for sure. What is the uh, – and, Drew, take this one away because I know me and you, like, send boat porn to each other every day. So I, what is the perfect boat for Tampa? Like, if you were to, buy, like, move to Tampa tomorrow and you had to have the perfect boat to do it all, maybe inshore, offshore, and then a good crossover. Like, what kind of boat are you looking for? Like, what's the size? What kind of draft? You know, how shallow you need to go? Same thing as draft. <laughs> but what do you need, like, motor on the back? What would you, you use? So they have these uh, boats called uh, – it's, it's a bay boat. Uh, they have a hybrid version, which are, uh, temp, you know, typically bigger. So they'll be anywhere from 24 to 26 feet. Uh whether you have it, the distance and the length enough to get into that chop, if it, it does get a little bumpy out there, uh, but it also has that draft capability of getting in that backwater on those negative tides and all those uh, changing of the seasons and be able to do pretty much anything you want. Granted, you can't go miles and miles offshore, uh, but you know on those calmer days you can send it out 50 miles if you want. You just got to you know watch the weather. Um, and then, you know, like I said, you can have those backwater capabilities as well. And a lot of these uh, boats are coming out with towers now where uh, you can have that sight capability to look for those fish and hunt them in the shallow waters. We even use it offshore. Uh, we have, you know, these markers, these uh, buoys out here that they're basically shift channel uh, that these cobias, the kingfish, will kind of, cruise around and you can almost target them like you would a snook in the mangroves. So it's uh it really is versatile for your more bang for your buck for somebody that's not really sure on what they want to target and what they want to do. And they are getting more family oriented with the cushions and so the the wife, the girlfriend, the kids can come out with you and you don't have to get the whole thing bloody every time. You can take it to the sandbar, you can do whatever and you can do all that in Tampa Bay here too. We have tons of islands uh, man, you know, mangrove cuts, little, uh, you know, beaches, everything like that to chill out for the, the weekend. Yeah, I mean, I think the, like, the business side of me, the best part about Tampa Bay is we can always do something. You know, even if you have an offshore trip booked or whatever, it's not like the East Coast where you might run out of options pretty quick if it's rough. You know, like, one, it could be blowing 20 some days, but if it's coming out of the right wind direction, Tampa Bay, like the bay itself, will be calm, and we can go make it happen. And if if, if the bay is brutal, then we can still go into the mangroves or even up the river, get some jacks, shrimp it out in the river, baby, or do the inshore and, <laughs> <laughs> do the inshore and redfish and snook stuff. But I, I'll just tell everybody, I mean, like, Poseidon Charters as a business runs uh, 26-foot boats that we consider our offshore and bay boats, and um, then we run some smaller versions of express boats that are like the perfect inshore boat, in my opinion. 
uh, aluminum, bang them around. If you hit bottom, trying to go shallow, not the worst thing in the world. Light so they can go real shallow and get into those holes that Matt was talking about on that negative tide when you can get places where nobody else can. So I love what we offer, and I know that eventually Poseidon will have a, a big boy boat to go do the really, really far offshore stuff. But I think going for a, anywhere between 20 to 26 foot and a crossover or a, a aluminum type express is like a perfect fit for the bay. You're going to be able to do something pretty much every day, no matter what. So, uh, Dustin, you want to take us away on like what equipment? we use and how to be successful on Tampa Bay. I mean, I am not the fisherman at all, but I know for a fact that if you go to buoy number, is it seven or nine? No, it's oh, nine, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I think 4A. 4A is the best one. Oh, man, don't away my secret. <laughs> yeah, go to buoy number seven and you drop down, you'll catch something. Set up right in the middle of the shipping channel. That's where you want to be. But anyway, like, what, what kind of equipment is the best? What do we use, and what's the best setup to, like, the rookie, if you had no clue? Uh, so we're using, uh, on our charter boats, we're using uh, Florida Fishing Products reels. Uh, then we're using Bull Bay Rods, which Bull Bay Rods are the, I love them. Oh, I, probably, one of the, probably one of the best rods out there. Um, Florida Fishing Products, yeah, you know what? We get a sponsorship, they're, they're amazing. We're sponsored by them, so they're 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 good for chartering. Uh, as far as personal reels, uh, they they have a little work to do as far as personal reels. Uh, but for chartering, a hundred percent, best best we can get. Uh, plus they're they're they're, they're local, so you know we only got to drive twenty minutes to get, you know, to take our stuff back. Uh, we're using Power Pro. Uh, actually, we have we have a couple different lines. We have a uh, Diamond Braid and we have Power Pro. I like Power Pro. Uh, it's really thin. It's really easy, lightweight, really easy to use, really easy to tie knots. Um, uh, we all use circle hooks. I don't even know the brand. Well, who's our brand name for our circle hooks? Does anybody know? I'm pretty sure it's BKK. Okay, BKK. They're they're actually a pretty popular brand. Okay, so BKK hooks. Um, I don't even know the the name of our weights either. Whoever makes our weights. Amazon. <laughs> Amazon weights, baby. <laughs> Amazon, I hope you're listening. Jerry, <laughs> it's Jerry down the street. Jeff Bates. It, re it really is. Like, it, it is some dude that, like, uh, has an Amazon page, and he makes them in his backyard. Like, he's just totally going to, like, he's, like, stealing catalytic converters, and he's melting them down. <laughs> he's putting I his mean, weights on. Yeah, lead is lead, though. Who gives a shit who makes lead? Lead is lead. It's going to be it's two ounces of lead or one ounce of lead, whatever you need. Um, but, yeah, uh, Florida Fishing Products has, has got some pretty good products if you guys want to go check them out because uh, they're durable. They they last a long time because we, we beat the shit out of them, and they last a little while. I've had mine since I started with the company let's see, in May. And uh, I've only had a problem with a couple of them, but, you know, we just take them back over there and they'll, they'll, they'll replace them or fix them for free. So it's pretty amazing stuff. They have lifetime warranties on most of their stuff. Yeah, I'll uh, tell you, like, the best way to find out if a product's good or not is 
put it through the precision test because holy moly, are we rough on equipment? And uh, like you said, Bull Bay, Florida Fishing Products, they have definitely stood the test of time. Um, and Yamaha. <laughs> Yamaha, baby, all the way. <laughs> Yamaha. Hey, if you want to, let's go. You know what Yamaha stands for, right? Go far, baby. You and me are hauling ass. <laughs> <laughs> it's got three speeds, here, there, and the gone. The Yamaha um, is definitely top-notch on the market, for sure. Um, By the way, express boats also for flats fishing or any any kind of inshore fishing. It's very affordable. Very affordable. Affordable, yeah. low, oh. super low drafts. I absolutely love the expresses. I was pretty scared. Um, I was pretty scared on it, you know, when they were aluminum because I actually I built an aluminum boat for you know me. I I custom built. I got an 18 foot, pretty much big ass John boat. And I threw a tower on it, and it rides like dog crap. But it allows me to get to where I need to go because I can run, you know, a couple inches of water. But these expresses, they completely blew me out of the water. Um, as far as, you know, getting bait in the morning, you know, we can tuck away from the wind um, when we got to do inshore fishing. But unfortunately for bait, I mean, you got to go where the bait's at. And, you know, just like this morning, this morning it was, you know, it was two floaters out there in the bay. It was rough, and I had zero problems. I feel 100% confident in that boat and getting me there where I need to go. And I I, I love the experience. Yeah, I, I agree. And I'll tell you, going back to the business perspective of it, if you own a boat long enough, personal too, like if you own a boat long enough, you know – that, that what they stand for bust out another thousand and that's just to start i'm telling you they are the most expensive thing you'll ever buy uh my wife has horses and i would rather have horses than both let me just tell you <laughs> so like it, they're extremely expensive and yeah like you can get a boat with all the bells and whistles and the coolest stuff and I love it just like the next guy, you know. It's freaking awesome when it'll tell you what your heart rate is, you know. Like, it's cool. But at the same time, when you, all you want to do is be successful and fish every day, it is important to have a boat that is simple. Like, it's not going to break. Like, it's just made really, really well. And not a, if something does break, it's an easy fix. It's not fly-by-wire or all this craziness, you know, like, I, I, that's my favorite part about them. I think they're built well. The It's very simple. Uh, the electronics in it, the live well system, the whole deal is just basic, and I love it. Easy to fix. Like, if you spend enough time on one, you're going to know everything about it, up, down, left, right, sideways. And so yeah, that's my favorite part about them. There's nothing to break on it. It's just it's simple. They're amazing. And, and, and it's it, more it, rewarding. It's even more rewarding. Considering Tampa Bay has, you know, there's a lot of people out there guiding, but there's nothing better than pulling up to somewhere you want to fish and you see the guy that's stuck out there, you know, in the bigger bay boat that can't get where you are and you're sitting there just whacking them and they're looking at you like, gosh, I wish I could get there. And they they, they just they can't. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're riding in the same way as they are, you know, like, yeah, that's the, didn't have a problem. 
I mean, I, that's why I love them. I absolutely love them. I've had multiple charters where, you know, I talk to other captains, um, and they're struggling, and I'm not because I can go where they can't go. <laughs> that's important. Can, you know, I trim up the motor and use a trolling motor, and I'm pretty much – I'm floating in three inches of water. You know, I'm good. I can go wherever I want to go. And even if I feel the boat in the bottom a little bit, I pull out the push pole, and it's easy to push pull wherever you want it to go. I mean, it's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah, I, they're very, very light. I, I um. So we got off on a tangent there. We get boat nerdy. I, I love boats. I hate them, and I love them at the same time. It's a bittersweet relationship. But anyway, going back to like the equipment that we use, what kind of what's like the best rig? Like if you were going out there to set up inshore and to target like the snapper grouper stuff in the bay too, like what's the best two setups? A number two circle hook and twenty five pound leader. That is all you need. How much leader? I know that that's a delicate game and all yeah. that stuff. I, I'm weird when it comes to it. I like really, really long leaders. Uh, how long? I, Dude, I'll go all the way up to a six-foot leader. Yeah, I, I start my leaders at six foot. That way, you know, you can take off six inches a couple times, and you'll still have at least four foot of leader, you know. Like, well, I know. You know, you don't want to retie every – you don't want to redo your leader every time, you, you know, because the snook around here they 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 uh they chafe your leaders a lot. So if you can cut six inches off three or four times and still use the same leader without retying over and over and over, like it's amazing. So I I'll start with a six footer, and then you know you got four times you can do it. You cut six inches off, and you still got a four foot leader. Is that like common? Does everybody on the team uses? Uh, no, and I was gonna. I like to use about a three, three to four foot. I don't do a whole arm length or anything crazy. Um, just because I do transition to inshore and like bay and offshore, so I like to be able to not waste that whole leader and, and tie on, which comes to a different rig here. We use a uh, fisherman's knot or fisher uh, fish finder rig. Uh, which is essentially a like a any kind of egg weight, whether it be a one ounce or two ounce. Uh, on the braid, you f- and you feed it through and then to a swivel, and then you have your leader. And that I like to have around the two to three foot leader there to that circle hook. It allows so when you when you that. transition to like snapper, like on a reef or something, you you don't use six foot leader. No. Oh, well, that's a nugget of information I didn't know. See, I do. I'm using a six-foot leader at all, at everything. Really? I, I am so used to – I grew up in uh, – um, so every summer for me, my, you know, my favorite thing, what I look forward to – Tell them where you grew up, my Tell them. Zephyr Hills. Oh. The only good thing they got there is no, – no, 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 man. Boca Grand. Mm. Get what? Get out of here. Stop. <laughs> you have you even caught a tarpon? Have you uh, ever caught multiple? I've got multiple tarpon. No, 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 no. I'm not asking if you put your clients on tarpon. Have you caught a tarpon? <laughs> That's all I do, baby, is charter. That's right. <laughs> tarpon fishing, bro. Tarpon fishing, I don't care. If you tie a three, four-foot leader, you're not getting eight in those passes. Those tarpon are so smart, and that's why I just always have tied long leaders. When I'm tarpon fishing, 
I will have leaders all the way up into the pool because those fish are smart. Yeah, and the, the, the same way with, like, I go to the Keys every year, and, like, when we go down there for snapper, like yellowtail, if you don't have, like, a 10- or 12-foot leader, you're not going to get touched at all. Like, these fish are smart when it comes to That's leaders. Wild. I, I would have never I thought. Rather, I would rather have the long leader knowing that they're so smart to increase my chances of hooking up. Because I don't know about you guys, but being a full-time guide, you need fish in the boat. Amen to that. Is there a negative? Is there a negative to having a long leader? Like, why would somebody? I mean, hearing what I'm hearing, why would somebody want a short leader? Um, like, what? I'd say well, the big. I'd say the biggest negative is that um, some people just aren't blessed with the casting ability. Um, sometimes because uh, it's so light. Yeah, well, not only that, but you do, I mean, when you attach braid to fluorocarbon, you, you do have a knot. I mean, we try our best to make it the most slimline possible knot you could possibly, you know, think of. But as far as Tampa Bay, greenbacks are our, you know, go-to bait. So, like, wintertime, these baits, they get smaller and smaller. Um, you know, we're going from a six-inch greenback, there again with the six inches again, to... Wintertime, you know, Bro. you up a little bit, and you get, like, three inches. So, sometimes those longer... It happens. That cold weather, it'll do it to yeah. you. A little bit harder to cast. Um, but, see, we have we have ways to justify that, compensate, you know. <laughs> we like throwing... Bo- I, I'm a big bobber fan. I don't know about you guys. Um, I've heard plenty of people hate on the bobbers. Bobbers are, you know, bobbers are a go-to for me. Yeah, no, I there should be no shame in a bobber. I, I I I think they're great for clients. The main thing the main thing with bobbers is that these people a lot a lot of times you don't know where they came from. So if they're you know, if they're from up north or they're like for bass fishermen, you know, the people's first response is just setting the hook. So I love putting on that bobber because I tell them you do not reel until that bobber is gone. And I feel like that helps up our, you know, our hookup ratio tremendously because I can't tell you how many times a, a snook will blow up on top water, and uh, first reaction is to just set the hook and reel. Well, Don't I, I think that, yeah, that I think a lot of people too are used to watching Kevin Van Dam Bassmaster Classic and you know ripping lips, baby. So I think that like that's the common thing to do if you've never been in saltwater fishing before is you, you know bass fishing you're ripping lips pulling them out of the water in, in one swift motion and then when you I come thought, to saltwater you want the fish to do the work you know that's a completely yeah. different ball game for most and honestly I, i've seen on i've seen on facebook or i don't remember i don't remember what captain to give credit to but uh i remember specifically seeing um he has a decal on his tower on his front deck on his back deck and it literally says don't yank it crank it and crank like, it, don't yank it baby that's what i tell all my clients i get i like them. that and if they if they yank it and they miss that fish i make them say that we need that on a t-shirt they yeah exactly oh dude i i'm i'm down we we should Listen get these out 
Um, you know, I've got a lot of ideas for like t-shirts and hats and stuff like that. Oh, I need to go ahead. I, I've got so many That's of them. Scary quiz. That's scary. Well, I want one that says I love slots. Instead yeah. Of slots. <laughs> love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh god. Um, but yeah, yeah. Well, and bobbers, you know what? Because when we use these tiny baits, bobbers, like especially a weighted bobber, man, you can cast so much further. So it helps the client so much with casting. Uh, too well. Yeah. Well, yeah, I didn't think about that too. Having a little bit of weight on the line. So I'm gonna summarize this bad boy up. If you're coming to Tampa, basically you're gonna need an express boat with a Yamaha. Florida fishing product reel, a uh, bull bay rod, a greenback, which is mega, mega important. If you don't have a greenback, what's number two? Shrimp? Uh, shrimp. Uh, no, hey, hey. no, no, no. I'd cut, still cut thread, I'd baby. Cut thread fin than a shrimp. Because I'll tell you that you can probably find uh, cut thread fins, frozen thread fins, whatever, pretty easy. Greenbacks can be difficult. So I mean, one, it all depends on what you're fishing for, too. Because look, yeah. if you're going for meat and you just want some uh, some grunts or something. Yeah, hey, that's a dangerous Key West Don't. snapper. Oh, okay. boy. Gray oh. snapper, Key West snapper, grunt, whatever the hell you want to call them. <laughs> Squid. Squid works. But staying on those mangrove lines and on the flats and when that water's moving, that's key. You want to catch fish? Bingo, bingo, bongo. What about the snapper grouper? I hear Brophy talks about the knocker rig all the time. What in the world that? How do you set it up? What's the deal? Let me let me rephrase this in two words. Hog ball. <laughs> Hog ball, baby. Hog ball. Hog ball is kind of the same uh, thing as a knocker rig. It's pretty no, much it's just the same. It's, it's a little different, but it's pretty much the same thing. You got your weight, you got your weight and your hook right next to each other, and that's pretty much the same thing. But it's a swivel. It, I, it is on a swivel, so you do have more movement for your bait. You got whatever a, bait you have on it. You have more movement picture, with a with a, a hot ball. Picture picture a fish tank, right? So you drop a bait with a leader with a knocker rig. A sinker, you know, just goes up and down. You drop a bait down to the bottom, okay? That weight. It's going to carry or it's going to twist on the way down. So when those fish are sitting on that rack and they're looking at your bait, you know, do they want something that's just going to come in like a cannonball and then, bam, hit the bottom? Or do they want something that's slowly going to flutter down to the bottom? What do you think is going to gather, you know, more attention? The wrecking ball. (laughs) It's going to kick up a little cloud of dust, and then there it is. Boom. (laughs) Oh. I, I, you know what? I would love to take this to the test. I would love to go out on a trip, me and you. You throw your little knocker rig, and you let me throw my hog ball. And we'll right. Hey, ball. you know what? Same time. Hey, guess what? Same time, same place next week, we're going to be right here. So we're going to report back on Dustin with the knocker rig. No, and... no, no. I love the, no- the hog balls. Yeah. <laughs> no. 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 I'm just saying. I'll, I'll next week. <laughs> you are forced to use the knocker rig, and uh, Captain Matt is going to be hog ball or nothing, and we're going to report back, and whoever catches more fish. I'll tell you what, I have an offshore tomorrow, so, yeah, I'm going to use the knocker rig tomorrow. Right. 
Yeah. Basically, you have a full day inshore, but anyway. So, oh, um, it changed. Yeah. <laughs> it changed. <laughs> anyway, so um, I think we've given everybody a, a pretty good gist of what Tampa Bay offers and what to use when you get here and how to be successful. I know with the, a little bit of information that we've talked about in this podcast, well, I, I've definitely learned something, and I know other people have too. And I can't tell you how many phone calls I get on a daily basis of like, hey, man, we're going on a charter with you on Thursday, but we're going to go try to catch some fish today. Where would I, where would you go, you know, and what kind of rig and whatever. And, like, I know that uh, I can give some people some valuable information to go catch some fish off of the freaking Skyway Pier. And if you don't know about Skyway Pier, it got hit by a big boat and it fell down. They built a new one, and the old one um, is a great place to go catch some fish if you don't have a boat. Uh, next – <laughs> yeah, on a hog ball. The uh, other thing that I wanted to talk about before we wrap it all up is um, the different seasons that Tampa Bay offers. Drew, I'll let you take this one away. I know that, like, right now, specifically, like, sheepheads are in the Bay, which is awesome because it's super, super good eating. I love sheepheads. So I, but there's different times of year for different stuff. So, like, if you're wanting to target a specific fish, when are you coming? So we're very fortunate that we do fish all year round, um, especially for those northern people that don't get that chance. It's a, it's a really nice plus. Um, so in that case, you know, there are some fish that do come in with, you know, you know the wintertime. They like that warmer water, uh, like your sheep's head. Uh, you know, we're getting a lot of those Key West grunts or silver snappers uh, coming in right now. Your grouper, they, they love that you know, uh, colder, rich water. Um, and then in our summertime, you know, all the, all the snapper, the snapper actually spawn in the summertime. So they get all fired up and your snook and, um, you know, it just really depends, you know, what you want to target mainly. And, or if you're just up for whatever, you're going to have a great time no matter what time of year you're going to come out with us. Yeah. And you get big boy tarpon the end of, is it May? May and March, May, April, May and April, right? April, May, June, yeah. July, August, April through September, pretty much. Yeah. That's my yeah. time to shine. That is my favorite time of year to fish is for tarpon. Yeah. I mean, uh, tarpon's like the inshore version of a marlin. They do, they fight like crazy. They jump like crazy. It's, I mean, it's super, called, super fun. They're called the Silver King for a reason. Yeah. Is the is the like gag grouper? Is catching like gag grouper in the bay unique to Tampa? Like, is that like I mean that's an offshore fish and we're catching it in what? It's crazy. I I literally have spots where I kid you not. They did an episode on I believe it was Florida Sportsman, but they literally have episodes of people catching keeper gag grouper on docks. And it's, it's, an, I mean, still to this day, I go out, you know, on some of my off days, I'll go out to certain bridges from land and catch keeper gags. Like, it, it, it just, it blows my mind. It's one of the coolest things ever that, you know, people, they think, oh, offshore grouper, you know, snapper. Dude, I'm catching these grouper in 12 feet of water. Like, that is one of the coolest things. Coming in too. I mean, yeah. 
coolest things you could you could possibly do because it, it just it doesn't seem traditional. It's, no, hundred percent. And people, you know, like I think a lot of people, especially coming from the middle of the country, are worried about going into the big blue and having to deal with rough water. One, I will say that the Gulf is a whole lot better than the East Coast when it comes to rough water. But two, like being able to catch a true offshore fish and travel. 10 minutes instead of an hour and a half, that's freaking awesome. I mean, you get the offshore experience and you don't have to go anywhere. That's incredible. Yeah, oh, we're very blessed. This year, this year I've caught more gags in the bay than I have offshore. Oh, 100%. Easily. More gags in the bay. Like, well, it's crazy. And, and the weirdest thing about them is that you know they're so fired up so we all, you're going to laugh about this, but so we all have had um, a very weird year of, you know, fishing as far as weather conditions, things that we've experienced in the bay, um, you know, red tide, like just all sorts of stuff. We have developed some patterns this year and we've caught some fish that should not have been caught this way in you know, if I were to go to the East Coast and tell people how I caught these fish, they would laugh in my face. Um, Not even the East Coast. I don't know. on the West Coast. It's, it's wild. Like, I have never used wire. Wire leader. Wire leader. I have caught every single I, – I don't think I've I, – well, no, I've caught a couple. I've caught a couple of grouper on, you know, your traditional 60-pound fluoro. Um but and not only that, but in the bay, I don't catch any small grouper. I mean, I don't know about you guys, Quiz, Drew. Every fish that I've caught in the bay, you know, on these reefs, like these gags, they have all been absolute bruisers. Oh yeah. I, I don't think I've caught a single fish in the shipping channel this year that's been under twenty eight, twenty nine inches. Nope, me neither. I mean, they all been just absolute tanks of gags this year. That's wild. I, 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 yeah, my I, smallest, the smallest one I caught this year was 28 inches, and the biggest was 37. And it's all in the bay, like, all in wire leader. Yeah, and, and the funniest thing is, I, I like, I had a trip that was a uh, Kingfish Beach pickup, and I, you know, if you're not familiar with this area, that's pretty close. To uh, what do you think? Like Anna Maria? Yeah, yeah, really close. My Maria. You're peeking out, you know, two miles, and you're offshore. You're in the Gulf, and uh, we ran to Tampa Bay. We ran, you know, the opposite way, and we limited out in grouper in an hour on wire leader and cut bait. Like just weirdest thing, but it's just it's. It's what worked this year, and it was crazy. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. No. My favorite part, though, like, especially with the charters, is, like, you know, the clients, they're like, dude, this is, what the hell are you having me do? (laughs) And when you go out there and they hook their first one, they're like, damn, I I don't know why I didn't do this before. You you know, you're fishing traditional fluorocarbon. You're getting in a rock. You're losing half the fish you hook. Dude, when I hook a grouper on wire, I can tie the line to the cleat and use the motor and drag that sucker off the rock. 
Like, and that's my favorite part about it. <laughs> Jeez. Well, uh, I think we've got people. Uh, it's ninety percent. What'd you say? Like your landing ratio is ninety percent. You very rarely lose a fish when you're using that wire leader. Y- y'all heard it here first. Uh, Captain Matt is guaranteeing thirty to fifty fish per charter and a ninety percent <laughs> success rate when the fish just sees the bait. So. Oh, I'm Captain oh, yeah. So Captain Matt is currently taking bookings March through August. Feel free to give him a call, 813-944-9018. If you book a short trip with me, I will put you on the fish. So anyway, I think that uh, we've gotten everybody pretty excited about Tampa Bay and explained uh, what to do once you get here if you're not going on a charter. and Let's go on a charter and let's figure it out together, and we'll show you what to do. Uh, it, it is truly one of the most amazing places on planet Earth. you got to try it. Um, it. Put it on the bucket list. It's right up there with the best of them, I promise. Uh, and we didn't even talk about the shark fishing and Goliath grouper and everything else that the bay can offer. So um, I will say tune, tune in next week. Um, because it's story time. We're going to talk. We have, obviously, we're on the water every single day. I mean, we oh. have seen the craziest things happen on the water, craziest customers. I mean, crap, you would not believe. <laughs> I mean, it is unbelievable. And uh, we're going to talk about it next week. So tune in. Appreciate you guys big time. And uh, tune in to Poseidon Podcast next week.